0: This month, uh, the theme is Christmas perspectives, and what I've endeavored to do is to tell the Christmas story uh, from a perspective of various characters involved in the story. And we've not done the typical ones, you know, the wise men. You know, there are nativity scenes all over every city in America, most of which are wrong, but. But they're there, you know. The wise men get plenty of play. The shepherds get plenty of play. But, you know, there's so much. I hope that you've gotten out of what we've done so far, though these previous couple of weeks. We, we've we given Zechariah some attention. We learned some things through him and, and his experience and what that said. And we spent some time on Caesar Augustus, which I really I really hope it challenged you to think and it challenged you you to be in an attitude of faith. Because if you remember last week, Caesar Augustus, most powerful man in the world, caused a census at a perfect time during Mary's pregnancy where they had to go to Bethlehem because of their lineage, And it was too far into her pregnancy for Joseph to leave her behind, so she had to take the trip. And even though it was the decree of Caesar Augustus, he didn't know God, considered himself a deity. There was no angel, no dream or anything. He made a decree for that census to go out through all the land. He had no idea. He was totally oblivious that it was the Lord who moved him to do so and he was operating in accordance with another divine decree that said the messiah would be born in bethlehem and that decree made it so so we don't need it doesn't matter if our leaders know god or not doesn't matter if they serve him or not doesn't matter if they acknowledge there is a god our god's arm is not short Our God is able to do what he wants to do in the earth. His will will be accomplished in earth as it is in heaven. And so we don't have to fret. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be anxious. Our God really is all-powerful. All authority really is in his hand. Amen? And so I'm going to do things a little bit out of order. Ideally, I'd be covering these two next week. But next week is Christmas and I want Christmas to be about Mary, Joseph, baby Jesus. We're going to cover two characters that don't get a lot of attention in uh, during the Christmas season. Simeon and Anna. I'm going to start in the 22nd verse today. And it says, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, or consecrated unto the Lord, set apart unto the lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the lord a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons now in leviticus 12 and i'll just say this for reference for those of for those of you who you know get a bit perturbed when a, when, a, when a reference is made, but you don't give the scripture passage. I don't want to frustrate you. I want to facilitate your study um, beyond this message. But in Leviticus 12, Levitical law said that women whose firstborn child was a son were ceremonially unclean for seven days. And the boy will be circumcised on the eighth day. And the mother had another 33 days of purification before she could enter the temple or touch anything holy, considered holy. So 40 days over five weeks after the birth of Christ is our story that involves the two people that we're going to talk about today. This is not Christmas night, Christmas mourn is not the next day it's not even the same week we're 40 days beyond the birth of christ mary could not otherwise enter the temple before that time just to give you a time reference of where we're at joseph and mary bring baby jesus to the temple 40 days after his birth to dedicate him unto the Lord according to the law of Moses. In that law of Moses, uh, God gave that to Abraham in Exodus thirteen, verses one and two. The Lord spoke to Moses. This is after he delivered them from Egypt. After the firstborn of every of everyone in Egypt, small and great, even all the firstborn animals, after. The destroyer went to and all of them were killed. They allowed the children of Israel to leave. And the promise of God that he would deliver them came to pass after 430 years of slavery in Egypt. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, sanctify to me. And I'm reading from the Amplified. Sanctify to me. That is set apart for my purpose every firstborn. The first offspring of every womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of animal, it is mine. Everything pertaining to this baby, the one who would be the Lamb of God, the one who is the Savior of the world, is to be done according to the law. And I remind you the introduction to this book of Luke when he said... His purpose for writing to O Theophilus, so that there could be a certainty of those things of which you've heard. What is he, what is he, what is he getting at? He's saying, There is some doubt here. I don't know what to think about this, this Christianity, I don't know what to think about this Christ. And Luke is going about gathering all the facts. Putting together a record of events in order to affirm and confirm to O oh, Theophilus, that the, these things are certain. Christianity is not anti-law. Christ is not anti-law. He is the fulfillment of the law. And since Christ is the fulfillment of a Christianity by extension is a fulfillment of the law. And he needed to be assured of that. So there's, there's purpose. There's why certain things are only in Luke. You don't find them in the other gospels. And, and the account of Simeon and Anna is one of those things. Moving on to verse 25. Now, we know we're, five, we're over five weeks past the birth of Jesus. I'll just interject here before I move on. As we observe what the Bible says about these two wonderful people that don't get a lot of scripture devoted to them. But the little that is devoted to them is Powerful and impactful at least they get mentioned amen but the fact that this is happening five weeks past Christmas I want to challenge us to not let this devotion and this renewed emphasis on joy and peace and and honoring God be just a Christmas thing Don't let Christmas be on Christmas Day or or the week of Christmas or the month of Christmas. Let's worship the Lord all the days of our lives. Let's let that same passion, that, that, that same passion that we feel on Christmas to celebrate the joy that is unto the world for the Lord has come. Let that joy rest with us all the time. So five weeks later, now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people. Israel and his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. See, the Bible does not tell us everything about Simeon. We do not know if he was married or if he had children. We do not know what he did for a living. He's in the temple, but he's not a priest. If he was a priest, he would have been identified as one. So he's, he's a lay person. He's just a man that walks with God. You look at him, there doesn't seem to be much special about his life. I presume him to be an elderly man. But his age is not given here either. But the information we are given is what matters most. The Bible says of Simeon here that he was a righteous man, devout. So he's a righteous man who was devoted to God. That matters more than what he did for a living. And I noticed a theme And a lot of these characters involved in the story, remember Zechariah and Elizabeth, their testimony was that they walked blameless in the things of God. They were righteous before God. Simeon has a similar testimony, righteous before God. Mary and Joseph honor God. These people who played a significant part in the Christmas story, except for characters like Caesar Augustus and Herod. Isn't it amazing that the star that the wise men followed, they're the only ones who followed the star where Jesus was? But there is a consistency in a character. People who had foundation in the in in, rooted in relationship with God lives devoted to him but it says of him he was a righteous man who was devoted to God it says that he was waiting on the consolation of Israel which is another name for Christ the Messiah he's waiting on the Messiah the consolation of Israel So he was a well-grounded man of faith. That's one thing we know and learn about him. He's a well-grounded man of faith. There must have been rumors of the Messiah's birth spreading by now. The shepherd's testimony. When they went to go see baby Jesus in the manger wrapped in swaddling cloths. They get testimony of, of what had happened with them. The, the heavenly choir of angels sent to them, to that manger, and they said they will find a babe wrapped in swallowing cloths. He is the savior of the world. And they came in to see him who the angels told them about. And it says everyone there marveled and were amazed. So there were more people in that manger at that manger than just mary joseph and the shepherds and they testified to what the holy angels had told them so there must have been rumors of the messiah's best birth, uh, 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 birth spreading by now we're five weeks after the fact but it wasn't rumors that drew simeon to the temple in this passage, was it? Hello, we'll wait. Was it rumors that drew him there? No, it wasn't rumors that drew him there. He was led there by the Holy Spirit. So Simeon was also a man who was full of the Spirit, who was sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. What well, the Holy Spirit led, he went. What the Holy Spirit moved on him to do, he did. Are you hearing me? And this is before Christ went to the cross. But this is the kind of life this man led. This goes into the description of him being righteous and devout. He did not live his life. On his own whims and according to his own plans and his own understanding, he walked with God every day as he was led by the Spirit. Now, I got to give me a little artistic license here, I guess, or a little because I'm just going to speak about what I would do if, if I was him. He was led there in the Spirit on that day, but it says that he was informed that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. He learned that by the Spirit. Can you imagine that? One of the biggest fears that people have is death. And yet we see here death isn't, isn't a ruler. Death has no power over us. This man... God has authority even over death because he told him, I won't let death touch you until you've seen the Lord's Christ. So even death is subservient to our God. And I'm not saying he hadn't heard the rumors, but that doesn't mean he knew on this day why He knew this day what was happening in the temple. It doesn't say that he knew that the Messiah was just a baby. It doesn't say that he knew anything about the Messiah. All he knew about the Messiah is that he would not die until he'd seen him. And he's doing today in this passage what he's done every day of his life. He's walking as he's led by the Spirit. He's doing what he's doing in obedience to God. There's no indication that he knew ahead of time, but he did what God told him to do. Let that be an encouragement to you. Do what God leads you to do. It doesn't matter how much sense it makes or don't make. If you are in doubt... If you're confused, if you don't know what to do, the priority thing for you to do in that moment is to make every effort to, dis- to discover what is God saying to me in this moment. I don't know which way is up. I don't know which way to go. I don't know the end from the beginning, but I know one who does. And this situation that may be a surprise to me is not a surprise to him. And he's already made provision. He's made a way of escape. He knows, he knew it was coming, and he knows how to lead me through it. Are you hearing me? So he was led there. By the spirit, he's a well-grounded man of faith and he's one who walks as he is led by the spirit of God. And he goes in. It just so happens, as he's led of the spirit, he goes in on the same day that Jesus is there to be dedicated. It's by design. It was purposeful that God had him go there on that day. I don't know when he came to realize it, but he knew it when he saw him. Uh, the Holy Spirit confirmed to him that this child, he's him. And what does he do? He came into the he came in the spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. Now think about this. It'd be like somebody off the street coming in here and grabbing my mic. Or trying to grab my mic (laughs) he comes into the temple he's not the high priest he's not the priest he's just a lay a layman he comes in they bring in hey this is this is a holy ceremony what they're doing here is in obedience to God and he just interjects himself into it and scoops up the baby who are you But he was led there by the Lord, and he knows who this baby is. And there is a joy that wells up inside him that he can't contain. There is a worship that that, that wells up inside of him that he can't contain. This is the one that he's been waiting for all this time. The one that the Lord told him he would not die until he sees. And he doesn't have to wait. Until he's baptized, until John baptizes him and the Holy Spirit descends upon him like a dove. And he doesn't have to wait and hear God's voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He doesn't have to be there on the transfiguration to see him in his glorified body with Elijah and Moses. He doesn't have to see the the nail-scarred hands like Thomas does in order for him to believe it. He already sees it and knows it. This is the one. This is the Messiah. And what does he do? He scoops him up and he cradles him to his chest. I tell y'all, brothers and sisters in the Lord, my prayer is that you and I would cradle Jesus close to our chest. That we would scoop him up and just cradle him close. And that when, when, when the issues of life hit and things get tough and, 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 and we're tempted to, to go the way of our own understanding and, and we feel God is far away, let's not let our feelings lie to us or the circumstances lie to us. The time and the, the thing to do in that moment is to grab a hold of Jesus and hold him close. And so he grabs him, he holds him close, but he doesn't stop there. Now, mamas, if a strange dude just came and snatched up your baby, even if it's in a public setting, I'm not going to ask y'all to tell me what y'all might do. But I'll say there's no telling what you might do. I don't care how old he is. There are some mama bears in this world, and you could get hurt messing with their babies. But the grace of God is on him. He lifts up the baby. He took him up in his arms. And the word of God says he blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You know, salvation is not just a thing. Salvation is a person. Jesus is our salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. He even knows this savior is for everyone. Every race, color, creed, ethnicity, every one small and great. No one is too important. No one is too insignificant. This savior is savior unto us all. A light For revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. They, you know, it couldn't have come as a shock to them. Because they already had enough shocks, right? (laughs) Um, The angel Gabriel spoke to Mary personally. God spoke to Joseph in a dream not to put her away because that which is in her is holy. She didn't lie to you. That's not a story she gave you. All the things that the shepherds said when they arrived on the night of his birth. But even knowing all that stuff, it's still no surprise that they marveled at this guy coming out of nowhere at this time. And just goes into a praise of God, a worship of God, uncontained over this baby of theirs. And Simeon blessed them. So he blessed them all, the family. Mary Joseph Jesus, and he said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. You know how what I see in that? He said, This This son right here, he's gonna be the he's gonna be the line in the sand. He's gonna be the plumb line. And there's not gonna be any both sides. There's not gonna be any lukewarm. You're either going to reject him and fall. are you going to accept this gift of salvation and rise? He's going to be the dividing line. And it won't matter, you know, family loyalties, blood thicker than water. Hey, when it comes to this, blood's not thicker than this. Because you can have family and part of that family go to hell and part of their family be with God in heaven. And the difference will be whether or not they declare Jesus Christ their Lord. He's the Savior and Lord of all. And so he tells her, this child, so he prophesies concerning this child, or at least makes a declaration or decree concerning this child, is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And he says something that no parent wants to hear. No mother particularly wants to hear. He says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This child is precious. This child is the Messiah. This child is the Savior of the world. He's going to do great things. But in the course of doing those great things, there's going to come a point to where a sword is going to pierce your soul. You're going to experience loss. You're going to experience heartbreak. You're going to experience pain and oh my goodness didn't she experience that as she watched him get him beat beyond recognition as she watched him getting stripped and, and a crown of thorns put on his head and, and, and watched him get nailed to a cross and watched his side get pierced his mother is watching him As he's victimized by this gruesome process called crucifixion. As he's crying, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That sword is piercing her soul. And I can only imagine how it must have felt As he's on the cross and he's dying, he looks at John, he looks at his mother, and he says, Woman, behold your son. He tells John, Behold your mother. And eventually he gives up the ghost. And he tells the Father, Into your hands I commit my spirit. You know, We can never forget that. We must always keep ourselves in remembrance of that. And our salvation is the beautiful result of that. But looking at it from a mama's perspective, her soul was pierced. And that was all a part of God's plan. So I want to encourage you today and just really challenge you Hey, just because God has a plan for your life doesn't mean that there won't be piercing as part of the plan. It doesn't mean that everything is going to go pleasantly for you. There's going to be some hardships, but I would encourage you to keep believing, to keep trusting God. To know that if God is allowing it, there is divine purpose in it. He didn't say that all things would be good for you, he said all things will work together for the good. I love cake. Do not give me a cup of flour to eat. I like cake, I don't eat flour. <laughs> right? right there's a lot of things mixed up in cake. some of which you can eat by itself some of that stuff you don't want to come near your mouth but it all works together when blended properly it all works together and it comes out and the result is something that's pleasant something that's good right that's that's how we got to look at it when when we walk with the lord you know not every bad thing that happens, not every piercing thing that happens should, should cause us to doubt God's love for us or God's favor for us. Can we walk with God even where it hurts? Can we still love him? Can we still trust him? Even when our soul is pierced? I would I would challenge each and every one of us today, let's just examine our walk with the Lord and our commitment to him. Are we devoted to walking with him even as we're being pierced? If you're willing to go there with him, there's an intimacy in your relationship that can only come through those kind of experiences. You have to be willing to go through those things in order... To to, to grow in the knowledge of him. In order to be where Paul said when he said, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. There's a reason he said that. The one who suffered for us to give us the salvation in which we stand, are we willing to suffer for him? And I, I, I believe, I believe we are. Wouldn't be easy, but I believe we are. Amen. I want to read on. Uh, yeah, there's more I want to say, but I want to give this other not-so-young-lady, some shine, too. So, Simeon, we've been able to observe his walk with God. We've even observed his worship of the Lord on this same day beginning in verse 36 there was a prophetess so we we do get a description of what she does right he's just Simeon but there was a prophetess Anna the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher she was advanced in years You know what that means? Yeah. She was advanced in years. Y'all are so insensitive. I'm going to stick with advanced. (laughs) But she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. So she was married seven years. Her husband died seven years in. And then, as a widow, until she was 84. Uh, Actually, the the text is a little ambiguous there. Uh, You know, here in, in the ESV version, it says, until she was 84. You know, but I've heard it taught both ways. That it was 84 years she had been a widow. And if you add the seven years of marriage, then she would have been 91. But we don't know when she got married. So you add, let's say she got married at 16. Now she's over 100. But if we stay true to the text uh, uh, as the ESV puts it out here, so she was 84. And if she, let's say she was 16 when she got married, that puts her at 100 years old. So yeah, she really was advanced in age. <laughs> Did you say something? <laughs> I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> Dale, you're not you're not quite advanced enough yet, brother. <laughs> so she was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years. From when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She only gets three verses. But there is a lot to unpack here. And I, I won't go into, into tremendous detail about it, but I tried to get a sense of the person, if you will. These are characters who had a role to play in the Christmas story. And how many even you know the Christmas story goes beyond one day? It goes beyond just the day of, of his birth. That's one of the reasons why I like these two characters. We're way beyond. Christmas Day now. And we've got in the person of Simeon a man who was waiting for the consolation of Israel. We've got hope fulfilled in him. Don't we? He was hoping It was based in faith. It's based on what the Lord told him. But he could not wait until he saw the Lord's Christ. And that hope was fulfilled 40 days after the birth of Jesus when he saw him and got to hold him in that temple. And on that same day, we have a prophetess named Anna. She's been through it. We don't know who her husband was. I'm sure he was a good man, but seven years into their beloved marriage, he's dead. And yet, I don't get the sense that she is stuck there in regret and bitterness. I don't get it, I don't get the sense that she. That she's angry at God or anything. She's not stuck. She's not bound. As a matter of fact, she's pressed into God more. As a matter of fact, she's made the house of God her house. Right? Let's make the house of God our house. Let's make the Lord our priority relationship. Are you hearing me? She's made the Lord her priority, and the house of God is like a second home to her. Oh my goodness. Just three verses. She's 100 years old. She did not depart from the temple. So she's dwelling there. And what is she doing when she's there? She does not have the victim mentality. She's worshiping. with fasting and prayer night and day. So this is what she does every day. Her satisfaction is in the Lord. Her fulfillment comes from the Lord. Her provision comes from the Lord. I find it interesting. I mean, she's not praying for another husband. She's not focused on any of those things. She's just focused on God. worshiping and fasting with prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So she's there too. Without getting the announcement, you know, she didn't get the announcement cards from Mary and Joseph to be there where she had the RSVP. She didn't she didn't need all that. She shows up because, because she got her announcement from God. The one she's been pressing into all the days of her life. And I just want to highlight that this woman who according to the ESV uh, version, uh, uh, um, she's 84. She spent decades as a widow. So she's a single woman, a widow. She loves God and she worships in the temple, but societally there wasn't a whole lot for her out there you know for her to hang her hat on she's got a lot of things or she's at least got a couple of things she could have complained about but she's not complaining she's thanking she's giving thanksgiving so if we see hope fulfilled in Simeon we see thanksgiving Anna I would even go so far as to say sacrificial Thanksgiving her personal circumstances may not be all that it may not be the kind of circumstances that would provoke Thanksgiving but her personal situation doesn't matter to her as much as the Lord and what he's doing amen so it ain't about her circumstances, it's about what God is doing. You know, it reminded me of a, of a scripture in Psalm 25, verse 14, both of these stories remind me. Psalm 25, verse 14, I'll read the ESV first, and then I'll read the NIV, because I like that wording a little better. The ESV, it says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. In the NIV, it says, the Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to him. Isn't that what happened in the lives of both Simeon and Anna? They lived lives that showed great fear and reverence in regard to God. And because they did, he confided in them. He made known to them his will. His way, his work. He's working. The Messiah is born and he's letting select people know about it. People who fear the Lord. People who live lives devoted to the Lord. The King James Version says the secret of God is for those who fear him. So He's letting them in on his secret. You want to know what God is doing in the earth? You want to know what God is doing, where he's called you? Don't spend your time trying to search out what he's doing. Spend your time walking in the spirit. Spend your time seeking his face. Spend your time fearing God. And he will confide in you what he's doing. You see what I'm saying? He needs to be priority, the priority of your search, not what you can learn, not what information you can glean. You need to just press into him. That's what she did. She lived in that temple day and night. It had become her home. And here she is. It wasn't random. That she showed up. It was by design. It was the blessing of God. My beloved daughter, who has shown such great devotion, come on, come to the temple. Let me lead you to the temple. There's someone I want you to see. And she got to see the Lord Jesus. He's not in a palace. Remember, he was born in a manger. Uh, At the beginning of our reading, or just a little bit before it, you can tell by the sacrifice that they offered a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons uh, was for those who could not afford to acquire and sacrifice a lamb. So for those who were in poverty or those who did not have uh, the resources to give what was the preferred offering, the law allowed for them to give two birds. So we have a meager offering. (laughs) This is the Lord of glory. And there is a poverty offering offering given for him we can look at that on the one hand and say that's a shame but i look at it this way right that tells me he's already identifying even with the poor as a baby not just poor monetarily but poor in spirit right because we're bankrupt spiritually but he's the Lord and Savior of the poor, as well. So I just want to leave you with this, you know, with this this morning. Yeah, it's still morning. Just want to, <laughs> I want to leave you with, you know, with this this morning. You know, we are able to observe. And I I want you to read these on your own. Just study it. See what God speaks to you. Uh, Read these accounts. Pay special attention to the lives that these people led. Why these people get mentioned in Luke's gospel. Remember what he set out to do for Theophilus. In these people's lives and the role that they played, it ends up being a confirmation of who Jesus is, the significance of his coming, what it means for us, what it has meant for us, and what it will always mean for us. Amen? Maybe you are advanced in years. You've been waiting to experience some of that consolation of God yourself. I just want to encourage you to follow Simeon's example. Be a person that's devoted to walking with God. No matter your circumstances, be devoted to the Lord your God. Keep hoping in the promise of God, because what he said he will do, he will do. He told Simeon he will not die, so God delayed his death. He has that kind of authority. I want you to know God sees you. He remembers you. He knows where you're at. And he knows how hard it's been to wait and to hold on. But his word to you is to keep holding on. Because he's coming. And what he said he will do, he will do. The fact that it hasn't happened for you yet does not mean you've hoped in vain. It's just hope delayed. But it will come in God's timing. Don't be a slave to your timing. Don't try to impose your timing on God. You need to devote yourself to God and say, God, I'm going to keep trusting in you if you make it happen the last day of my life, I'm going to praise you as, if, as much as if you make it happen right now. I'm not going to demand a timetable. I'm going to praise you and keep faith in what you've said. And no matter what happens in your life or what you lose, do like Anna. Devote yourself to worshiping God. Make the house of God your secondary house. Look for the reasons to thank God. Don't focus your attention on the things that are not thankworthy. Even when those things exist, there's always something that God has done for which we ought to be grateful Annette said very beautifully, as she was listing everything she's gone through. One thing she consistently said, God was there. Can we at least acknowledge that when we're going through whatever we're doing, that going through, that God is here. He's there for you. I'm going to ask you this thing. Join me in a brief word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just want to lift up your people today. Father, neither of these two people got much scriptural real estate devoted to them. But what was devoted to them is powerful. It's instructive. It's edifying. It's encouraging. Thank you for your faithfulness to Simeon. You fulfilled your promise to him and he was overcome with worship, filled with worship. You sustained the prophetess Anna well into her advanced years. And she may have lost a husband after only seven years and lived decades as a widow. she got to experience a treasure that few got the pleasure of experiencing. She beheld with her own eyes, in the flesh, the child, Jesus, our Lord and Savior she got to see the redemption of Israel, the redemption of us all. Lord, I thank you that you're our consolation and our redemption. I thank you that you're faithful to us as you're faithful to them. And I, and pray Father God that we all come to know you we all come to know that place righteous devotion where you matter more than anything and anyone else in our lives where we don't struggle with fear and doubt and unbelief because we know our God we know he's He loves us, he's faithful. That he never leaves us or forsakes us, but he's with us in everything we go through. And there are many battles we think we have to fight, but like Annette testified, oftentimes we're fighting battles that aren't ours to fight. I pray, Lord, that we come to a point that we know you so intimately that we don't struggle at all to rest in the knowledge of you rest in your presence and let you win the victory for us that you might get all the glory that is due to you and the honor and praise so Father God we just thank you for the gift of you thank you For the gift of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. For the gift of salvation. And for the gift of being able to know you and walk with you. Be glorified in us and through us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.